Tonight, we're wrapping up our Hope for the Journey series, working through 1 Peter. I'm going to read both the beginning and the end of this book for tonight. I've had a couple teachers over the years who really emphasize that you should pay attention to the beginning and the end of the biblical books. And there's a couple things in the end of the book that circle back to the beginning, and that'll come up once or twice in the sermon tonight. So I thought it'd be helpful just to read 1 Peter 1, verses 1 and 2, along with 5, verses 12 to 14. Hear God's word for us tonight. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. And then we turn over to the end of this letter. And we read chapter 5, verses 12 to 14. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Peter's mention of Babylon in chapter 5, verse 13 is a curious feature of this text and a significant one. So all of our sermon points tonight are going to weave through the image of Babylon in different ways. And we're going to start by talking about witnessing in Babylon. Witnessing in Babylon. And as I was reflecting on this text and on how I wanted to approach it this week, the, the career, the life story of one of my mentors and colleagues as a missionary in Nigeria came to mind. So I'm going to be talking to you a bit about Case Van Wyck and his career as a missionary. Case came out of retirement to work with us for a year or two, and well before that, he helped Mike Vanderdyke, who our church has supported for a long, long time, he helped him get acclimated to missionary work in Nigeria. So this is someone who indirectly has been part of our church story for the last number of years. So Case first went to Nigeria decades and decades and decades ago as an airplane mechanic. His first couple years there, he was in charge of keeping the airplane going so they could bring missionaries and supplies out to remote locations and so that they would get back from those remote locations to the missionary headquarters. But after a couple years of that, Case switched over to frontline evangelism work, and he became what you'd think of as the prototypical African missionary. He went out on trek for weeks upon weeks and upon weeks. He'd walk and walk and walk, and he'd wade through rivers and walk through jungles, climb over hills and mountains, and all to bring the gospel to village after village of people who'd never seen Jesus, who often had never, had never seen, had never heard of Jesus, and who often had never even seen a white person. And Case had it a couple times as he'd come up to a village where no white person had ever been, that the kids would follow him as he was walking up, and after a little bit, he'd hear one of the kids whispering to the others, you see that guy? You see that, that white guy? They took all his skin off. That's what everybody looks like underneath. And you watch, pretty soon that guy is just going to fall to pieces because all his skin is gone. Now, Case, of course, didn't fall to pieces, and often he would get permission from the chief to preach, to present the gospel in that village, and 
Over time, many of the people in those villages who heard the good news became Christians, and that actually became a significant area for the Christian Reformed Church of Nigeria to grow and to thrive. Case went out from here in North America to the farthest reaches of Nigeria as a witness, as one who testified to Jesus. That was his calling, to go out, to go out into places of spiritual darkness and stone-cold unbelief and to bring the good news of Jesus Christ there. And that was also, in many ways, the calling of Peter and of other early church leaders. In verse 12, Peter writes that he's written this letter encouraging and testifying to those who read it. And another way to testify, another, another way to translate that word for testify is to witness. In this letter, Peter is testifying and witnessing primarily to believers. But in the ministry of the early church, we see the apostles and other church leaders going out to places where the gospel had not yet been bringing the good news to Jews and Gentiles, to, to all kinds of people. And then, then as they came in to believe in Jesus, building them up into the church. This was the work of Peter. It was also the work of Silas, who we read about in verse 12. And we think that's the same Silas who shows up a couple times in the book of Acts and who also accompanied Paul on several of his missionary journeys. And it's also the work of Paul, who Peter here speaks of as his, or of Mark, of P, who Peter here speaks of as his son, and not his physical son, but his spiritual son. And that's probably the Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark. All of the people mentioned by name here at the end of First Peter are really significant leaders in the early church. These are people who are called, who are compelled to spread the good news of Jesus Christ out to those who haven't yet heard it. And we see a key to their motivation in verse 12. Peter writes, in order to encourage and witness to the true grace of God. The true grace of God. And that continues to be the message and the motivation for Christian witness. God's grace draws us in, and God's grace sends us out to continue the good news of the good work of spreading the good news around the world. God's grace transforms us. God's grace empowers us. God's grace makes us witnesses. This last week as a church, we've paid a lot of attention to those who have gone out as witnesses. With Mission Emphasis Week and hearing a couple reports from people who went out to Honduras, we've heard, we've heard about the good news and about Christian activity going out to Honduras and to Japan and to Korea and to China. The gospel goes out. Our witness to Jesus goes out around the world. And we as a church, as we do and as we do well, should continue to support those who go. Christian leaders, missionaries, we stand in line with Peter in some sense who, of all of those who go out and who witness in Babylon, who witness in places of darkness and unbelief around the world. And this is a work that happens everywhere around the world, and it's also a work that happens here. 
Our second point for tonight is that we should stand fast in Babylon. After a number of years of working in Nigeria, Case retired from world missions and he came back to the United States. And before I describe what he, what he did here, let me ask you this question. A while ago, I said that Case went out in Nigeria to places of spiritual darkness and stone-cold unbelief. And if you think these days, where would you go to find spiritual darkness and stone-cold unbelief? Where in the world today do, do people live in darkness? Where today in the world is there unbelief that is totally set against Jesus Christ? Where would you go to find that? Case came back from Nigeria. He went to seminary. He became a pastor. And then eventually he became a church planter here in North America, just a little bit north of Grand Rapids, Michigan, actually. Now, one time he went halfway around the world and he was going out on weeks and weeks of trekking to find people who were living in spiritual darkness and in stone-cold unbelief. And then he found when he came back and he went out to plant a church that that's exactly what he found here. I mean, a lot of people knew more about Jesus, maybe, than they did there, but there wasn't any spiritual liveliness to them. He didn't have a lot of people following him around saying, hey, look at that guy, he's all white, he's going to fall apart. But he had a lot of people say to him, yeah, that Christian stuff is just nonsense. There's no way you're going to be able to keep this up. It doesn't work. It doesn't fit. It doesn't address my life. These days, more and more, the culture here needs a witness. The church right here and right now, we are in Babylon. And that's the idea that Peter is expressing when he talks about Babylon in verse 13. When he says, she who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends her greetings Peter isn't talking about a specific single person with that she. Peter is talking about the church. He's talking about the gathered community of believers, the fellowship of saints who are in Babylon. And Peter isn't literally writing from the city of Babylon. As far as we know, the Old Testament city of Babylon had been pretty much completely destroyed by Peter's time. Peter is actually writing from Rome. But he's using Babylon as sort of a a symbol or a marker or a stand-in for Rome. He's talking about that great, powerful, wicked, pagan city. And so he calls Rome Babylon. But actually, those who read this text carefully say Peter probably isn't isn't talking about Rome primarily as a wicked city like Babylon. He's actually emphasizing something a little bit different about our Christian experience in this world. And if we look back at the beginning of 1 Peter, and this is why I wanted to read that along with the end, we see a number of parallels between the beginning and the end of this book. Both the beginning and the end of the book talk about how we are God's chosen people, chosen by the gracious work of God. And they both emphasize the grace and the peace of God 
But then the beginning of the book talks about how God's people are strangers in the world, scattered. And those are two key words, strangers in the world, scattered. And then Peter lists a number of geographic locations in Asia. And the word, the word behind scattered there is the word diaspora. And diaspora is a little bit of a technical term, but it's the term for a group of people who are living as exiles. People who are living here and there and everywhere all around the world, but people who still know that their homeland is somewhere else. People whose identity is still wrapped up with belonging back there, not here. They may be living in this place, but their hearts and their identity are there. And that is why Peter picks up the idea of Babylon here at the end of 1 Peter. He wants his readers to understand that if you belong to Jesus, wherever you are in this world, you are not really at home. Babylon is the world out there. Yes, it's the wicked place. It's the place that needs to hear God's news. It's all of that, and we need to witness to Babylon. But at the same time, Babylon is the world right around us. Babylon is our own place. Babylon is wherever we as believers find ourselves right now. And part of the lesson that we need to hear in that is that every culture, every nation, every place in the whole world somehow stands opposed to the gospel. Different cultures and different nations can be more or less Christian, but, but in some sense, the whole world is always opposed to the gospel. And that means that the whole world needs to hear the gospel. You know, we often used to think of missionaries just as people who were sent out. And sometimes maybe we still think about the, the world or, or the place that needs to hear the good news as places out there whether it's Nigeria or, or the inner city of Chicago or somewhere else, not here. But Peter, the Bible, God himself calls us to be witnesses here and now because here and now is where the good news needs to be seen and heard. And one particular part of witnessing that Peter really emphasizes is this, to stand fast, to stand fast. There are many different aspects of our Christian witness, many different things that we're called to do, but, but one of the great things that we need to do as Christians is just to stand firm, to stand firm in the grace of God to stand firm in the midst of the challenges, the distractions, the temptations that the Babylon right around us has to offer. In part, that's what it means to be God's witnesses, just that we hold on, that we let the Word of God be deeply written in our hearts, that we let the Word of God be proclaimed clearly through our words and through our actions. Stand fast in the grace of God. That is what we are called to do. But the book of Peter doesn't end with a command for us. It ends with an assurance, with a comfort. First Peter ends with this line. 
peace to all of you who are in Christ. The good word doesn't end with what we do. The good word ends with the reminder that we have peace even now as we live in Babylon. We don't have peace. We don't have that sense of comfort and assurance because of something that we've done. We have it because of how Christ has worked in us. It's only by the grace and peace that God gives us that that we can be his witnesses. It's only by the grace and peace that God gives that people can go out and spread the good news. It's only by the grace and peace that God gives us that that we can stand firm in places of spiritual darkness and stone-cold unbelief. It is only by the grace and peace of God that the church exists. And so as we follow God, as we send missionaries out, as we work for Him ourselves, we come back in the end to God's grace and God's peace. And it's God's grace and God's peace that give us hope for the journey. And that's a grace and a peace that's accessible and that's present for all of us. There are times in our lives when we ourselves face darkness where, where things seem hopeless. But God promises that he is with us no matter what. Through the work of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is always present in our lives. That doesn't mean we're always entirely aware of his grace and peace. We have our dark valleys. We have our times of struggle. But the Lord is always with us. And so, stand fast. Stand fast because you've received the assurance, the comfort, the grace and peace of God. And this, in summary, this in a nutshell is the message of the whole book of 1 Peter. Stand fast in the grace and peace of Christ. Stand fast in the grace and peace of Christ. Even in hard times, be God's witness. Even in hard times, stand firm. Even in hard times, know that the peace of Christ is with you. And know that in Christ, nothing will ever be able to separate us from the hope we have in God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the grace and the peace that you give us. And Father, we thank you for those along the way who have told us of your grace. We thank you for those in our lives all the way back to, to Peter and to the other writers of, writers of the Bible, up to those who have taught and led us these days. We thank you for those who have encouraged and testified to us about your grace and your peace. And Father, we pray that you gift each of us with what we need to stand fast in you. And Father, we pray that you equip us to do what you call us to do. If you are calling us to a life of quiet discipleship and steady witness through our actions, then help our actions to line up completely with who you are. And Father, if you're calling us to step out or step out and 
in bold witness, then, Father, we pray that, again, you equip us and you make us able to speak your word truly, accurately, powerfully, and lovingly. And, Father, at the end of it all, at the end of it all, we pray that you give us a greater measure of your peace. Pour out your grace upon us. Help us to find our assurance and our comfort in you and you alone. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.